Hear now the word of the living God as I read from 1 Corinthians 2, verses 14 through 16. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I remind you that that this is God's holy and inspired word. It contains all that we need for faith and for life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bless us in this portion of your word, that we will discern whether we are a spiritual person or simply a natural person. Make us come to terms with this passage, which determines whether we are a natural person or a spiritual person. We ask that you bless us this day from the reading of your word. Amen. In Matthew 16, we see the great confession by Peter. In response to Jesus' question, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. Jonathan Edwards, preaching on this passage, says that this knowledge is revealed both negatively and positively. Negatively, this knowledge has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood. Not by human nature, not by natural man or natural reason. However, it is revealed positively. I quote Edwards here. Now, it was natural to observe how it was not flesh and blood that had revealed it to them, but God. For if this knowledge were dependent on natural cause or natural means, how came it to pass that they, a company of poor fishermen, illiterate men, and persons of low education, attained to the knowledge of the truth. While scribes and Pharisees, men of higher, vastly higher advantages and greater knowledge and sagacity in other matters remained in ignorance. This could be owing only to the gracious distinguishing influence and revelation of the Spirit of God. Do you hear what Edwards is trying to say, 
This knowledge of the truth about Jesus was not revealed to Peter by natural causes or by natural means. Instead, by my Father through the Holy Spirit. The truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, is not revealed to the natural man, but only to the spiritual man. In this passage, Paul makes a distinction between the natural and the spiritual person, just as Jesus did. The spiritual person is the believer who receives and accepts the things of the Spirit as true wisdom. However, the natural person is an unbeliever who does not accept spiritual wisdom, but considers it as folly. With this, we come to the doctrine of the text. And it is this. The Bible makes a clear distinction between the natural person and the spiritual person. And this naturally, naturally leads to the question, which one are you? Which one are you? In the exposition, I would like to divide uh, this passage up into two headings. Heading one, the natural person, and heading two, the spiritual person. Hopefully, I will make that distinction clear enough so that you will confidently assert, which one are you? That is an ultimate question, which demands an ultimate answer. The first heading is the natural person. How do you know if you are a natural person? First, this is an unbeliever. An unbeliever. He does not have the Spirit of God dwelling within him. He only has one nature. This person is in the fallen lineage of Adam. After the fall, every man has that nature of fallen Adam. As Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. All mankind, by natural generation, are corrupted from birth and even before birth. As Psalm 51 says, Behold, I was conceived in iniquity. So the unbeliever only has one nature, and it has absolutely been corrupted. The first distinction of the natural excuse me, the first distinction of the natural man is this. But further, he is worldly. Worldly. The unspiritual person is a worldly person. Paul said in the same chapter and the twelfth verse, now we have not received the spirit of the world. By implication, the unspiritual man has received the spirit of this world. He follows only his natural instincts and natural reason. As Jude says, it is, though, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. This goes along with what Paul says in chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, and he continues on this theme 
in chapter 3. Let me apply this um, for just a moment. And this is a particularly strong application. If you are guilty of causing division in the church, if you rally your troops together, if you say to yourself, it is my way or the highway, I am right and everyone else is wrong, and especially in unimportant and unessential matters, you ought to be very weary of that attitude. Because this is evidence that you are simply a natural person and operate entirely by worldly wisdom. Christ might deem you simply a natural person without the Spirit of God. That is an extreme warning to you. But it is a crucial warning. And I wish that you take this warning seriously. If you have sought to divide the church, repent of that and walk in new obedience. The third evidence of a natural person is expressed in his rejection. Verse 14a says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. If this person does not accept the things, these things, he rejects the things of the Spirit of God. So how do you know if you reject the things of the Spirit of God? I have two answers for you. If you reject our great salvation, as Peter says in 1 Peter 1.10 and following, concerning this salvation, the prophets, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. In the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels longed to look. Do you reject any of our salvation? That salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and to the glory of God alone as revealed in the Holy Scriptures. Do you simply reject out of hand that it was done by grace alone, without any works of your own? Do you simply reject that our salvation was accomplished by faith alone in Christ alone? Do you reject that Jesus paid it all? You have been justified by faith alone, without any merit of your own, without any contribution of your own, and this is the way that God has revealed it in the Scriptures. Do you reject any of these five solas of the Reformation? Then Christ may consider you just a natural man, just a natural person. I had a a friend in college that had been influenced by works righteousness. And he would say emphatically that Jesus doesn't do it all. We 
we have to contribute something to His salvation. If you want to experience salvation, we have to contribute something. I cannot believe that it was through grace alone, through faith alone. I fear that if he still believes that, he will be found guilty of being a natural person who resorts only to natural reason without the Spirit of God. Further, if you reject the Word of God, you are guilty of rejecting the Spirit of God. As Peter says in 2 Peter, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. If you reject the Word of God, you're guilty of rejecting that Holy Spirit of God because the Spirit is said to move men along that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but by the Spirit of God. This leads to the fourth point, that the natural person rejects our salvation taken from the words of Scripture and considers it absolute folly. Absolute nonsense. Verse 14b says, they are folly to him. As chapter 1, verses 18 says, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. They do not know that this is the wisdom of God revealed in the Spirit. I had an experience with an atheist once. I was familiar with him. I knew he was an unbeliever and he knew that I was a pastor. However, I invited him to lunch and he accepted. However, because I was a preacher and made my living by the gospel, he wanted to demonstrate that my belief system was utter nonsense. It started with the belief in God's Word. He said with a grin, do you actually believe that God's, excuse me, that the Bible is inspired? I said yes. And then he started with the objections. And he had objection after objection. Yet the Spirit of Truth as John 15:13 guided me into all truth. I had an answer for each and every objection made. You could tell that he was disappointed because he thought that my belief was utter nonsense, but by the spirit, and it was totally by the spirit. I answered every objection that he thought would be sure to demonstrate the folly of my answers, but it didn't. It rather confirmed it. That illustrates the difference between the one who is a natural person and not a spiritual person. The natural person does not have the gift of the Spirit living within him and guiding us into all truth as that is found in Jesus. Without the Spirit, you are just left to your natural reason and you reject God as utter folly. If the Spirit of God doesn't enable you to believe, you will consider it 
utter folly. The fifth point that uh, is that the natural person is without understanding. Is without understanding. Thomas Aquinas says in his commentary on 1 Corinthians, no one should be taught what he cannot grasp, and the sensual man cannot grasp spiritual things. Spiritual things are folly to him. Folly to the natural person. Because as verse 14 continues, he is not able to understand them. The natural person is unable to understand the things freely given by the Spirit. Don't get me wrong. The natural person is not stupid or silly or unintelligent. They may be more intellectually gifted than any of us. They may be ethically more rigorous than any of us. In a thousand different ways, they may be superior to us. But intellectual superiority or moral superiority cannot save you from sin if you do not embrace the folly of the cross you cannot be saved one final point that i would like to make is that the natural person is spiritually judged verse 14c says he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. How are, we to, how are we to understand that the natural person is spiritually discerned? The same word occurs three times in verse 14 and 15. However, the first time, it does not appear in English translations. If we continue to cite the Greek word consistently, it would say, he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually judged. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. I believe that uh, this is confirmed by a similar passage in a similar context. John three seventeen and 18. I'll read this. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. The one who believes in him is not judged. The one who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. If we translate this word consistently, whoever does not believe in the Son of God is spiritually judged and condemned already. If he does not come to faith in the Son of God through the Spirit of God and considers the word of the cross folly, he is judged now because he does not have the Spirit of God dwelling in his members and causing him to believe. That is what I believe to be the true meaning of spiritually discerned. Rejection of this salvation that we have in Christ and rejection of God's Word. The natural person considers these things folly, for he does not understand and therefore he is spiritually judged. This constitutes a natural person. 
saying these things about the natural person, Paul moves on to present the spiritual person. The spiritual person, by implication, is described as the one who receives the Spirit of God, the things of the Spirit. In contrast to the natural person, the spiritual person accepts and receives the things of the Spirit. Because he is a believer in the gospel message, he receives this great salvation that is in Christ, and he considers the Word of God as the most holy, inspired, and infallible Word, and receives it. The spiritual person places himself under the Spirit's inspired Word as it reveals our salvation in Christ Jesus. The second aspect of the spiritual person is that the believer considers the description of Christ not as folly, but as the wisdom of God. In contrast to the natural person who regards these things as folly, he regards them, the spiritual person regards them as true wisdom. The cross of Christ is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power and the wisdom of God. Furthermore, by implication, The spiritual person believes this salvation in Christ as revealed by the Word and the Spirit, and it produces understanding. In contrast to the natural man who is not able to understand, this person understands because he has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit illuminates his mind to comprehend the very thoughts of God, which are revealed in the Scriptures through the Spirit of God. Furthermore, the spiritual person is said to judge. Is said to judge. Verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things. How are we to understand this judging of all things? This is a theme That continues in chapter 6, verse 1 and following. I will read this. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to the law before an unrighteous judge instead of the saint? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent? To try trivial cases, do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? Paul says that the spiritual person judges all things. The saints will judge the natural person. The saints will judge the world. And the saints will ultimately even judge angels. These are the privileges of the saints that they will be granted the the ability to judge all and everything. The fifth, fifth benefit that the spiritual man receives is that he will be free from judgment. Free from judgment. Verse 15b says, But he himself is to be judged by no one. 
I think this pertains justification. I think this passage concerns justification. When you appear before the heavenly throne room, if you are a spiritual person, if you are a believer, having been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, you have have all hope in the world that you have been acquitted even now and counted as righteous even now. As the Westminster Shorter Catechism question and answer 33 says, justification is an act of God's free grace. A solitary act. Wherein He pardoneth all our sins and accepteth us as righteous in His sight, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Therefore, believers in Christ alone will not be judged any longer and not by anyone because Christ has freed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And God accepts us as blameless and righteous in His sight. Therefore, God no longer condemns us. We are free from condemnation and judgment. If we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, we are absolutely free from judgment by anyone. In the last day, Christ will publicly announce and declare it to be so. As Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave him up for us all how will he also how will he not also with him graciously give us all things who shall bring any charge against god's elect it is god who justifies who is to condemn christ jesus is the one more than that who was raised who is seated at the right hand of god who indeed is interceding for us what marvelous words to the believer. What marvelous words to the believer. In Christ, we will not be judged because we are free from judgment. And the spiritual person is distinguished from the natural person. Finally, because the spiritual person has the mind of Christ. Has the mind of Christ Verse 16 continues. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Paul, in this quotation of Isaiah 40.13 from the Greek Old Testament, makes clear that we have not the prerogative to give any instruction to the Lord. Preposterous. However, Believers, the spiritual man has the mind of Christ. How are we to understand this? Richard Pratt very helpfully comments on this passage. And I will read this to you. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God and reveals it to the people through the teaching of the apostles. As believers' minds are influenced by the Spirit of God, they themselves 
take on the mind of Christ. They think as He thinks. They evaluate as He evaluates it. Consequently, insofar as believers follow the teaching of the Spirit, they are beyond criticism and instruction of human wisdom. Those taught by the Spirit do not follow their own faulty reason. They learn from the Spirit who judges all human wisdom. Do you see what he is saying? Because the Spirit knows the thoughts of God, the Father. He knows also the thoughts of the Son and reveals them to us. The more we know the Spirit, we know God's thoughts. And the more we know the Spirit, we also have the mind of Christ. With this, we have some applications to press this message home. I have three applications for us to consider this morning. And these are in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, which is the following passage. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. As the various commentators express it, you can be a spiritual person, yet be worldly, fleshly, sensual, or carnal. Or, as Paul says it, infants in Christ. You can, be spiritual, you can be a spiritual person and yet gravitate to the natural person. Therefore, my first exhortation to you is this. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves to see if you are a natural person or a spiritual person. Don't leave this passage without clearly discerning that. Remember that your conclusion to this question has eternal ramifications. If you are a natural person, you cannot see the kingdom of God. If you are an unbeliever, you are worldly. You reduce your guide to only worldly reason. And you have rejected the things clearly spoken of the Spirit and consider them folly. You are simply a natural person. But if you wish to be a a spiritual person, pray earnestly that God might make you so. Remember what the Lord Jesus said, If you then who are evil, you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. You're not without hope. Ask, plead, to be made a spiritual person by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Plead with God to grant in the name of Jesus, for Jesus promises that, that God would grant you His Holy Spirit if you would but but ask. Repent. The second exhortation is repent of any rejection. If you have discerned that you are indeed a spiritual person, you have two natures. Nature 
and spirit. However, you may be tempted by varying degrees to reason like a worldly person and not like a spiritual person. You may be tempted to operate like a fleshly or carnal person. As John Owen says, as unto the qualities expressed by flesh and spirit, there may be mixtures of them in the same person at the same time. With this, you need to realize that you and I have much need for repentance. First, repent for your unbelief. Repent for your unbelief. Much unbelief can be attributed to us. But Romans 2.4 says, It is the kindness of the Lord that leads you to repentance. You must pray like that man said in the Gospel, I believe, Lord help my unbelief. I believe, Lord help my unbelief. We have much unbelief in our hearts. And we must pray against that. You must also pray against uh, being worldly minded. Being worldly minded. Or rather fleshly minded or carnally minded. In other words, making decisions like a, naturally, uh, a natural person without the Spirit's guidance. Isaiah 31.1 says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are very strong, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. Going down to Egypt and relying on chariots and horses represents the fleshly mind. Represents fleshly mindedness. If you are a Christian, you have the Spirit dwelling within your members. If you ask for guidance from the Lord, if you consult with the Lord, the triune God, the Holy One of Israel, and the Holy Spirit, the Lord will bless your way. If you look to Him with, with, with fresh eyes and call on Him, He will direct your way. The third and final application is this. You are a spiritual person. Only because of grace. You are a spiritual person. Only because of grace. Let's look at John 3 again. In this context, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus who does not understand when Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again or born from above, He cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus is so confused. Why are you speaking in such terms that you cannot be born again? You only have one birth. You only have one birthday, says the natural person. He says, Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, one is born, I say to you, one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God if, if, if that's not the case. The natural person says that he must be born only one time. 
But the spiritual person knows that that is not so. That he must be born two times. But the, uh, the spiritual person knows that he must be born two times. One natural birth and one spiritual birth. Jesus continues, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And this is the point which I am laboring to make. Verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. If you are not a natural person, and if you conclude that you are a spiritual person, it is only by the grace of God. The wind blows where it wishes. We are all by nature natural men born of the lineage of fallen Adam. But if you are a spiritual man, you have been reborn by the Spirit, and this is not of your own doing. The Spirit blows where it wishes. The Spirit blows wherever the Father and the Son send it. And this is a truly gracious act. So I exhort you, don't ever take credit for your spiritual rebirth. You would have been only a natural man if God hadn't breathed His Spirit upon you. Don't ever lord it over the natural person. Because without God's grace, the Spirit would not have enabled you to believe in Christ. Indeed, as Jesus said about Peter's great confession, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And Paul adds, through the Spirit of God. Let us pray. Father, I pray that none of us would leave this passage until we get clarity on whether we are a natural or a spiritual person. Don't let us pass this by. Whether we go into our homes and meditate on this Word, Give us the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to decide if we are a spiritual person. And likewise, we plead with You, Father, that You grant us the Spirit if we are but a natural man. And help us discern, discern, illuminate our minds if we are that, but help us to Pray for the Holy Spirit and the Father will give it to us. Give Him to us, I should say. Please help us to discern whether we are a natural person or a spiritual person. We ask that all in the name of Christ. Amen.